You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are doing a little bit of stayer slide today on the episode, but before we get to that, I have to tell you about all the other great podcasts that are part of this network, including the likes of Jim Day and FTF. FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio. You have Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of other great podcasts. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies, all on FullTimeFantasy.com. As I mentioned, Matt is joining me. We will be doing a little bit of stay and slide. Now, you may ask, what is stay and slide? We are going to go through the top 12 fantasy scorers at each position today and talk about if we think they have the ability to stay in the top 12 or if they're going to slide out. Very interesting discussion, I think, for us. Again, you're, you're already a quarter way through the NFL season and, for the most part, the fantasy season as well. Obviously, most people don't play week 17, so it's you know it's pretty much a quarter pole. We're, we're, we're through a quarter pole through both uh, the NFL and fantasy season. So we will jump into those, and then we will finish off the episode just doing a little bit of talk. I made some big trades uh, in a 16-teamer I'm going to get Matt's opinion on. And then also, we have got some movie talk. Uh, and for those of you who know, Matt is a big movie buff, uh, does a lot of that stuff, Does runs a movie league stuff. He, he was the one who jumped on with me, uh, did a bunch of Game of Thrones episodes earlier this offseason. I am a huge movie guy as well. Don't get to see him as much as I used to uh, due to my me having two kids and the movies I like to see are not kids appropriate, including the one this weekend. But we will jump in and talk about that as well and, and kind of our opinions going into the weekend, and I cannot wait to see it. That being said, let's jump Matt in here and let's start talking about some stay and slide players. Hello! And we have Mr. Matthew Fox with us today, part of the, the Thursday team as Tony is out for this episode. How you doing today, Matt? 
Doing pretty good. It's finally uh, feeling like fall here. Crisp day in the low 60s. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we got some, I, I shouldn't say news, but we've been told that it's going to be in like the 70s on Monday. So I'm not holding my breath because I feel like everybody's been saying that down here in Texas at least for like the past month. But uh, I am looking forward to it hopefully being like that this Monday because I'm really getting sick of this 90 degree heat as, I'm, as something you experienced this summer I'm sure you can imagine is not a lot of fun when you're still in October and still dealing with 90 degree weather yeah not uh, not too great no not at all so for today's episode, uh, we were going to do uh, with the the three of us a little bit of stay or slide here, uh, uh, talk about some of the guys that are in the top 12 at each position. Uh, we're gonna, we're still going to do it. It's just going to be me and Matt as uh, as Tony had to take this episode off. So we're just going to jump right into it. The whole uh, our, This whole exercise here will be kind of get an idea of what me and now Matt think about these players. We're going to go through the current top 12 a quarter way through the NFL season. You know, not necessarily the quarter way through. I mean, it pretty much is the quarter way through fantasy season as well, because most people play till at least week 16. Uh, and so it's for the most part the same thing. We're just going to talk about who is in the top 12 fantasy points wise and then see if Matt and I both think they will stay in the top 12 throughout the season or if they will drop out. Obviously, there's a, if you, when, once you listen to this list, you'll see it's been a quite interesting fantasy season to say the least. So we're going to kick it off with quarterback and start with the number one quarterback as of right now. This is all based on fantasy pros scoring, just regular quarterback scoring. So if anybody has any kind of, um, yardage bonuses or anything like that, they, these quarterbacks might score differently in your leagues. I just tried to go with the most generic scoring possible for this just to give you guys an idea. Number one is Lamar Jackson right now with 112.3 points. Do you think that he stays in the top 12 the entire season, Matt? Yeah, I don't think he'll stay at the number one spot, um, but I think he will stay top 12 uh, barring injury. Um you know, he's just, he's got a good offense. Things are getting a little bit tougher for him, but he's still got that running factor. Uh, and when you look at the makeup of that team, um, I don't, I think he will do enough to stay up there, especially with all the injuries at that position. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, I can't see falling out of the top 12. I mean, if you just base his, on his rushing ability alone, I think is going to keep him up there. I really feel like the quarterbacks who get those rushing yards as well as passing yards have really kind of separated themselves as the top of the QB class uh, because those guys like, you know, uh, I'm just going to use Drew Brees and Tom Brady, even though they do throw for an inordinate amount of yards and touchdowns. For those guys who just stay in the pocket and don't give you many rushing yards, they're kind of at a little bit of a uh, disadvantage in my opinion. So I'm with you. Lamar Jackson, I, I don't think he stays at one either. Um, but I do think he stays in top 12. I think he ends up falling somewhere in the 8 to 12 range. Number two is Patrick Mahomes with 104.8. I imagine there's no way you think he falls out of the top 12, 12 correct? No, he's pretty much a lock. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, He was my, my pick uh, at the start of this year to finish his QB2. I thought... Uh, Andrew Luck, obviously way before we, we got the unfortunate news that he was going to retire, I thought he could finish his QB1 this year with all the weapons around him and that team. Um, I feel like that might be a little bit justified with what we've seen out of Jacoby Brissett so far. Not quite the guy, not quite as much talent as Andrew Luck, but he's done really well. Andrew Luck, I think, would have uh, succeeded just as well, if not better. What about Russell Wilson? He is currently sitting as QB3 right now with 96.4 points. 
has actually had a fairly good, decent start to uh, the 2019 season. If you go back and look at his past couple seasons, he's been one of those guys who kind of gets off, takes a little bit of a slower start to get rolling and putting up those fantasy points, but it's been pretty good. Actually, um, might surprise people to know this as one of the better passing offenses in the league right now. What are your thoughts on Russell Wilson staying up here in the top 12? Yeah, I think he's a lot too. He's been a top QB, a uh, top 12 QB, I believe all the years he's he's been in there. and Many of the years he's been up in the top 10. Um, I, I think Seattle is going to be fighting for a playoff spot all season. That NFC West is a pretty killer division right now. Uh, three of the teams have three wins. So uh, I like what they've done, uh, and I like his talent. Yeah, I could see Wilson staying. I don't know if he'd finish three. I still feel like, as we go through this list, I feel like probably the first six or seven guys are all going to be right up there. When it starts getting lower in this list is where it gets interesting for me. I don't know if he stays at three, but I'm with you. What we've seen out of this offense so far, I think it's going to be kind of, I don't want to say an offensive explosion tonight as we're recording this on Thursday, but I think they're going to put up tonight points tonight as well against the Rams. So I think Wilson stays up there easily. I think he might even, he has a chance to finish as a top five quarterback. Again, adding in what I talked about with Lamar, the rushing ability that he shows. What about Dak Prescott, who is currently sitting as QB4 with 94.2 points, obviously had those first Big games those first three weeks, uh, and then really kind of slowed down a little bit last week against a much tougher defense. What are your thoughts on Dak? Yeah, I think top 12, easy. I really like the passing game and what they're doing in Dallas. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I don't... I think we actually talked about this the other day that I think Dak is is going to be in for a good season. He's going to be fine. It was obviously a bad game against New Orleans. I still don't think he finishes this high. Uh, uh, he, I think ultimately ends up closer to 10 than where he is right now, but definitely not a guy you should worry about and, and going to be in the top 12 outside of something insane happening. Here's another guy that I think will actually finish higher than where he's at right now, but is already off to a good start this season with uh, limited weapons, really, with all the injuries they've had there. Carson Wentz is sitting here with 85.9 points. Is he staying in the top 12 for you? Yeah, and he may actually go up higher. Um, I think he's had a little bit of bad luck and injuries in his receiving core so far, but a lot of people thought he could be an MVP candidate, and I've seen nothing that makes me think otherwise. Yeah, he was uh, one, He was my actual pick to be MVP as well, sir. I know that's not what you were saying, but that is that was uh, my pick to be MVP. I actually thought he was going to have a really good season this year. Uh, and, I, I mean, I don't I want to say it all. He's off to a disappointing start. That, as you just mentioned, the injuries to this team has been ridiculous. I think he's going to be fine. He, I think he's going to finish right up there as the top three uh just to give you an idea, because we actually finished these up right before you started joining me on a, on a weekly basis here. Uh, I actually had my top three as Luck, Mahomes, Baker, so I feel like uh, that's obviously not going to be at all correct now, except for maybe Mahomes, because we have not seen Baker look that good either. After him, you've got Deshaun Watson, who has 82.0 points, and then I had Carson Wentz at four. That was the reason I was telling that story. I, I didn't finish it. But yeah, Deshaun Watson there uh, next at 82.0 points. Any shot you see him falling out of the top 12? No, I like Mahomes to stay in there too. He's still in that range where I think. I mean, as long if you were saying, is he going to finish top five or top six? I don't know. Um, I'm still scared a little bit about their line, but I think top twelve. Uh, these guys are up at the top right now for a reason. Yeah, I mean, how far? Um, 
with that line, because we've talked about it now a couple times here, especially since the trade of Tunsil, we all hoped that that would help that offensive line. That seems to be their biggest issue, uh, and something we talked about on Monday's podcast still seems like it's really affecting them, and now it's affecting guys like Hopkins and Fuller as well. Uh, if you had to guess, so right last year he finished as as quarterback number four. Right now he's sitting at quarterback seven. Would you try? Would you say that he has a chance of finishing in that top five, or do you feel he's he's probably with those line issues? finishing closer to to 10 so let's say in like what he is now 7 to 12 ratio I think he's probably going to end up in the 5 to 9 range Um, I had hoped that he would be up at the top there was a couple of two uh, quarterback redraft leagues where I took him and Mahomes and thought I have two top four quarterbacks and the rest of you are screwed and now you know I I actually have in one two quarterback league I have him uh, Mahomes and Dak and it's always like a Sophie's choice between him and Dak for me because I like Deshaun Watson and I mean we've seen that incredible talent but there feels like there's something dysfunctional with that Texans offense in general even guys we thought were going to get a bump like Duke Johnson have kind of faded away we you can't you know they have fuller stills and kuti and none of them have been worth thinking about playing solidly on a consistent basis even uh deandre hopkins has some middling numbers there's just something about that offense that isn't working and they they face some tough defenses uh you know he could be good and have a good season and not be a top four quarterback because they're not putting they're not putting up a ton of points either. Outside of that first week, um, I'm not sure they've cracked twenty five. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think there's actually a better shot. We've seen him finishing up there and right near that top five every season because even with the offensive line being bad, I honestly don't think it's been as bad as we've seen now, which again is crazy to say considering they traded for a left tackle that a lot of people thought was near the top of the league at that position. So the fact that that I feel like, the, and as you're saying too, the offensive line looks even worse. I'm with you. I think he's going to end up finishing closer to 10 than that top five, at least this year. Now, there is still time to get it turned around. We are only in week four. Uh, and, and there was a couple, the, the last week looks a complete or looks completely different for him if he hits, you know, Will Fuller or DeAndre Hopkins in those long passes that he overthrews. I actually think he missed Hopkins for a touchdown last week. So does, if he hits Hopkins for that, obviously much better day for Watson. Better days are to come for him, but as you point out, a lot of tough uh, defenses just in that division alone, not counting some of the other teams that they play. So uh, possibly not a great year in store for Watson this year. After him, you have Matt Ryan with 81.9 points. I mean, I I cannot imagine him falling out of the top 12. I mean, even when the Falcons suck, he puts up points. Your thoughts on Ryan? Yeah, Ryan should finish uh, top 12. It doesn't look like the Falcons are going to be a great team this season, but um, given their offensive line woes and some of what we've seen on defense, uh, I think you're, he's somebody that's going to be reliably throwing. That's actually, uh, we'll get to him in two two places, but I actually think that's the case I would make for Jameis Winston too, okay. uh, a team with a lot of passing weapons that has a pretty atrocious defense. We've seen so far they're going to have to be throwing a lot to catch up and I think that really benefits you when you're looking at fantasy scoring yes I was about to say so after Ryan for the rest of them are very interesting for me because obviously up until last year Matt Stafford was a lock 
top 10 uh top 10 quarterback now some people were saying well last year necessarily wasn't an aberration and that this is just the way that the offense is moving we obviously saw and we've talked about many a times we joke about uh one of the other writers in FLA John Hamler's coming on here and saying he thought Detroit was going to have a really good year mostly because of carry on Johnson not necessarily Matt Stafford but Matt Stafford looks like the guy of old he does not look at all like the Stafford we saw last year I know you talked about in a previous episode uh maybe with some of the stuff with his wife obviously battling cancer answer and the toll that that took on him as well he's sitting here at eight right now with 80.2 points is he back is he is he staying in the top 10 again this season yeah I think I think so Detroit I think is a team that I underestimated a little bit um and he's looked uh looked really good I like his weapons I think uh staying in the top 12 seems pretty likely yeah, I'm with you too. I, I can't unless there's some kind of catastrophic meltdown with that offense. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones have just looked too good. I mean, obviously, if maybe that that maybe that's something that we didn't talk about enough either last year. I mean, obviously, you weren't here on the podcast with me, so we couldn't have talked about it. Uh, but maybe a lot of I have not seen a lot of people talking about the fact that Carry On was hurt most of the year last year. You had Marvin Jones go down early in the season. Kenny Galladay was dealing with injuries, although he played the entire season or for the most part he played every game was dealing with injuries. Maybe that had something to do with that offense kind of coming off the hinges last year as well. Is when you're down to just one wide receiver. I don't care if it's, you know, Antonio. Well, Antonio Brown. I don't care if it's Randy Moss out there. If you only have one guy you're throwing the ball to, he's going to get covered at times. And if you can't get the ball to anybody else, your offense is going to struggle. All right, next on the list was a guy that you just mentioned a minute ago, and we already know you're going to keep him up there in the top 12, and that is Jameis Winston. He is currently sitting here at 9 with 80.1 points. Uh, Is there anything else you want to add outside of the defense part on why he's going to stay up here? Um, I I think it also has to do with his weapons. Uh, I like Godwin. I think uh, Evans is picking up too, uh, and he seems to be putting it together in the Aryan system. Yeah, I mean, it did seem like it took him a couple games, so maybe we should have given him that opportunity. We seem to give a lot of other quarterbacks and offenses a couple games, be like, okay, they're in a new system, allow them to kind of get used to it. And, I mean, Mike, right now Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin are the top two wide receivers in receiving yards per game right now. So they're obviously figuring out and doing a good job, and, and the fact that they uh, really don't have any kind of running game, uh, I think even speaks louder to Winston being able to stay up there. I do, I do like what I've seen out of Ronald Jones here the past couple games and turning it on. If they can't get that running game going, they're just going to continue to throw the ball a ton, so I can't see Winston falling out of here, uh, which should be interesting to talk about as we get later in the season if, and if he actually does end up staying with Tampa because there was a lot of us that talked about him and Marcus Mariota both not getting contract extensions at the end of this year. Next up at number 10, Jacoby Brissett at 78.1 points. He's another interesting one for me, obviously having a really good season now, being the Colts starter do you think he has the ability to stay up here in that top 10 or top 12? I'm sorry. I think he can. Um, I think it's going to be close. Okay. What, uh, what makes it close for you? You know, we've already seen quite a few injuries uh, in their receiving core, and I, I haven't seen a lot of development of some of their guys. I think there are some guys that are outside of the top 12 now that could make a run. Um, I like Brissett fine, but I don't feel as confident uh, in him or the team uh, having a high 
high-powered offense with him this season. Gotcha. Yeah. So he was he was a hard one for me as well. Um, I'm keeping him up in there just because, as I've talked about many a times with uh, with you and Dennis, I still have the Colts as a uh, as a fringe playoff team, and so I feel like for them to be there. They're gonna have to rely on him because I just don't see. I know, and and you might agree with me on this. Neither one of us are Marlon Mack guys. Dennis is. Dennis thinks that Marlon Mack is a very good running back. Neither one of us are very high on him. So if he doesn't get it going, they're gonna have to score points somehow. And I think that's gonna have to come from Jacoby Brissett and that passing game. So I don't know if he stays here at nine. I think there's a better chance he probably ends up finishing around twelve. Because as you stated, once we get these last two guys on here, you're gonna realize there's a lot of big names that are not in the top twelve right now. There's obviously a chance that those guys kind of come up and, and replace these bottom three guys but I think he has a chance to, to at least come in here at number 12 next up is Philip Rivers who is sitting at 11 with 76.8 points again another guy that's an interesting topic for me because last year he did not finish up there he, he's a guy who is a phenomenal football player but I think when it comes to fantasy doesn't quite put up those fantasy points what is your thoughts on Rivers Rivers is always a guy that uh, is kind of right around this range. I am going to say that he falls out of the top 12. I'm with you. Uh, I, I think once Melvin Gordon comes back, I know that they do like to throw him the ball in the running game. I think that it's going to kind of be moved back to more of a run-heavy game like we saw last year, so I think that's going to stop some of, some of Rivers' production. And the last guy on the list, and this one was, in all honesty, extremely surprising to me when I saw the list, Marcus Mariota at 76.6 point coming in in that last spot. I can't imagine there's any way that you think he finishes in the top 12, but is there any shot? Do you think so? Am I wrong? Uh, No, I do not. Okay, yeah, I'm right there with you. So I guess the question I want to ask on Marcus Mariota, because in, in fairness to him, he has looked better the past couple weeks. There was many of us. I don't remember exactly where you were on this. I know Dennis thought that he would be replaced by Ryan Tannehill by probably midseason. Do you think, let's let's just keep health aside. Let's just say that Marcus Mariota stays healthy the entire season. Do you think that he plays the entire season as the tiding starter? Uh Barring injury. I, I think injury is always a bigger risk with Mariota. I I know what Dennis is uh, is talking about. Um, you know, Mariota maybe hasn't performed the way people expected, but I find it somewhat hard to believe, barring him completely collapsing out out there in his performance, that Tennessee would replace him with Tannehill. We've seen Tannehill; he's fine, but he's nothing incredible or special, and he can't be somebody they're looking at as a bedrock of their future. So, right. I don't see. Maybe change just based on performance i felt like the addition of Tannehill was because last year marcus mariota was in and out of the lineup and they had decent but not great performances from lane gabbert and they wanted to slightly upgrade so that if they had that situation again they and they were hanging around the playoff picture they could maybe win one more game and get in. And I thought it was a good move for that reason. But I never really have perceived him as the kind of threat to take over because of production. Very nice. That, that, uh, that's a good take. I actually kind of like that. All right, so that's your top 12 right now. Some of the key names that we left off of there, you've got Tom Brady, 
Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, who say if you say what you want about Kirk Cousins, has been up in the top 12 every single year since he's been named a starter. Uh, obviously, you've got a guy like Cam Newton who likely isn't going to get back up there because of injury. So there's still a few guys on this list uh, that didn't make it. you got a guy like Kyler Murray, rookie, who's actually just five, .5 points behind Marcus Mariota for top 12 right now. So definitely interesting going down. But, I mean, you go down the list, it really is not a big separation until you get to number 22, which is Derek Carr, who's sitting at 56 points. That's when you're, you're really starting to see a, a, an actual decent separation of almost 20 points here. Uh, between your quarterbacks. So just kind of illustrating the point we've talked about all offseason, that quarterback is extremely deep. Let's move on to running back. And this one is, uh, I think for me, very interesting because I feel like half the list is good and half the list is bad. So I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, you know, for the guys that we think, there's really not much, uh, we don't need to, to dive deep into some of these key guys because we know they're going to be up there. And one of those guys is number one right now, CMC, 86.9 points. I mean, outside of injury, there's no way he doesn't finish outside the top 12. I'm assuming you agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking at this list there, there, like you said, there's half the guys that I would, I would pretty much say easily. He would be no top on that list. Yeah. The second one, uh, I think, in all honesty, if Melvin Gordon wasn't back right now and probably getting more of his workload, I would say by the next week or the week after, I think he would have had a shot to stay up here with the production we've seen out of him, and that's Austin Eckler sitting with 83 points right now. But with Melvin Gordon likely getting worked more and more into the, the game plan as we start moving forward, I would imagine he, he falls out of the top 12 for you. Yes, sadly... Um... Yeah, I'm kind of bummed Gordon came back. I would not be surprised to see Eckler still finish top 25, but top 12 is probably going to be a stretch. Yeah, I would I would love to see that. I mean, I didn't really get a lot of shares of Eckler. In fact, the one uh, the one league I had an Eckler share in, I sold him because uh, I did not think he was going to be this good, and that has really come around to bite me in the ass because my uh, well, my running backs are good now, and we'll I actually want to talk about that trade later. There's a couple things we're going to go a little off uh, off topic on here at the end because uh, I actually just got tickets for a movie this weekend. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that as well. So we'll kind of wrap up the pod today with some random stuff uh, just for the fun of it. Number three. A guy that I expected to be close to the top 12, but not at all doing what he is doing, and that's Dalvin Cook sitting there with 82.4 points. I imagine you think, again, we're, we're just assuming these guys stay healthy all season, that Cook finishes in the top 12. So I want to change the question a little bit for him. With as good as we've seen him, do you think he has a chop, or shot to jump up into the top five this season? Um, he he could be top five. I think he's easily top top 10 um you know it really depends on that minnesota offense uh he's looked really good at times they're going to play some tougher defenses and now there's a lot of rumblings that they really want to commit to throwing the ball a lot more yeah so what are his opportunities fortunately he's a big part of the pass catching um parameters so top five i i think he would be in a handful of guys that, that you would say have a shot at that yeah, I think I honestly think he will. I mean, the biggest thing that's going to hurt him if you're in a PPR league, which again, this is for for running backs and wide receivers, it's one point PPR. So with fantasy pro scoring. With the, the amount of uh, balls that have been thrown David Johnson's way, he's one that I could see possibly coming up there. But again, with the amount of yards and touchdowns Cook has already put up, I, I think in, in a way he's almost certified as long as he stays healthy to finish at least 
I mean, I know you said top 10, and I feel like, yeah, you're right on that. There's no way outside of injury he falls out of the top 10. I think he's got a realistic shot of getting up there in the top five, possibly finishing even higher than that because we've seen some of the guys you would expect to be up there have kind of dropped down a little bit, whether that's due to holdouts and or injuries on their team. Next up, you've got a guy that... I'm not going to lie, I'm surprised is as high as he is now. Obviously, the game he had last week really helped him out. I thought he had a chance to finish as a RB1 this year, uh, but definitely not as high as he is, and that's Nick Chubb sitting at four with 73.7 points. So if you do think that he has a chance finishing top 12, I'm going to ask you the same question with Cook. Not necessarily top five, but how much farther do you think he drops down from four? Because I imagine I don't think he finishes top four. I'd imagine you don't either. No, but I think 5 to 10 range. I okay. think certainly top 12. Okay, that's fair. I, I like that. I would love if he finished at, at top five because that means he likely has a really good season for the Browns. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think he finishes top four either, but easily top 10 to 12, uh, no doubt about that. The next one is a guy that uh, I talked about as a sell-high candidate. Uh, I, I don't think that he continues this at all. And I'm actually kind of torn on whether or not I think he finishes in the top 12. So I'm going to let you answer first and see if maybe you influence my decision here. And that's Mark Ingram, who's sitting at five with 69 points. What are your thoughts on him? I think he's going to be right on the border, but I'm saying out of the top 12. I think one of the reasons he's so high right now is because he's gotten a lot of, he got a smattering of touchdowns early on. And we've seen... Baltimore come back to earth a little bit after that 59-point first week. So um, I think he's somebody that's going to slide out. Yeah, see, that that's the way I was leaning, and I'm going to agree with you on that because it's something we talked about before – He's not doing anything in the receiving game, and neither is the next guy, and they've gotten the points that they have because of their rushing yards and touchdowns. But in the end of the day, or at the end of the day, in my opinion, some of these guys who get a lot more receiving work are going to end up getting pushed higher and higher up these boards because, yeah, the, the big thing that's helping him out is, as you said, the touchdowns. And when those touchdowns aren't coming and you're only getting, say, 80 yards rushing, but I'll just use DJ as an example. DJ gets 60 yard rushing, but he also gets 10 catches for 80 yards. That after a couple weeks of that is going to boost you higher. So I'm with you. I do think I don't think he falls much out of the top 12. I, I say he probably finishes at least top 15, but I'm with you. I don't think he finishes top 12. And I'll be honest, I don't think the next guy does either. I know he's had a really good start to the year. And, and I saw someone post on Twitter, uh, uh, someone who's a Derrick Henry believer posted on Twitter the other day that, oh, everybody was giving him crap for saying that Derrick Henry would be a, a, a top, or an RB1 this year, and everybody said he wouldn't because of PPR leagues, and, well, he's only caught five catches this year, but look at him. Well, when in the first game of the season you catch one pass and take it 78 yards for a touchdown, you've already got a leg up on a lot of people. Uh, and I do think that's getting overvalued a little bit. Now, he has run the ball a lot better. He, he's still putting up a lot of yardage in the, in the rushing attack, which is surprising for me because I really thought that he would kind of fall off a little bit. But we're still only four games in. I don't think he finishes at the end of the day as a top 12 running back. What is your thoughts on Henry? As much as it pains me, I think he just barely does. Ooh, okay. I was not expecting you to go there. So we'll, we'll, we'll be opposite sides of that. Maybe it's just my Derrick Henry hate fully taking over here. I'm letting the hate flow through me, and I'm letting that uh, maybe influence my decision a little bit here. So he's definitely going to be someone interesting to watch. As I feel like I know you are not a Derrick Henry believer either, but we can, I'm sure, both admit he has definitely looked a lot better than I think either one of us thought he was going to coming into the season. See, for me, I just think uh, he's in 
he's on a team that really is committed to run, and he's in one of the few situations where they're really committed to the run where he doesn't really have any serious competition for rushing touches, even from his quarterback. Like, the difference with him, for me, between him and, like, Ingram, last week I noted uh, for Ingram, they only they had 20 rushes by running backs, and he only took 12 of them. Uh-huh. That gives me a moment of pause. Plus, his quarterback uh, is always going to be in the rushing mix and vulture touchdown. That's the same thing that goes for a Buffalo running back. You know, he could be great between the tackles, but you know that there's better than even chance he's going to get vultured at the goal line. Derrick Henry doesn't really seem to have that issue. Mariota hasn't been a big runner. Deion Lewis has been nothing but an occasional pass catching back. And, you know, that opportunity and volume is speaks a lot in fantasy. And that's what I think can keep him just right in that, you know, 11, 12 range. Yeah, I mean, that's something we've talked about Melvin Gordon all the time. I don't think Melvin Gordon is an overly talented back, but when you are getting 90 to 95% of the workload, you're, and you, you're, you're at least a, I say not an overly talented back. He is he is a top echelon running back. I just don't think he's as talented as other players in that group. But when you get 95% of your workload, you're going to be able to put up numbers. So I, I do I cannot disagree with that argument on Henry. After him, you've got Alvin Kamara, who's sitting at 59.9 points. Um, I would imagine we we both think that he – I know I think he finishes in the top 12. Do you see him climbing higher, or do you think with the Drew Brees injury this year, he's going to kind of fall more in this range? No, I think he'll go higher. They actually, the next three on this list, uh, Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, and David Johnson, I would say all three I would feel safe saying they're going to be top ten. Um, Zeke and Kamara, I think you could make a great case for top five. Yeah, I think uh, we'll just we'll run through their points real quick. So Zeke is after Kamara at 54.7 and DJ 53.5. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, I feel safer saying that about Zeke and Kamara um, DJ does worry me a little bit in the rushing attacks. If you go look at his numbers, he's doing almost, it seems like, everything exclusively in the receiving game right now, just based on how bad that offensive line is in Arizona. Now, fantasy points are fantasy points, so it doesn't matter how you get them. Uh, but that part worries me a little bit. I still think he finishes in the top 10, um, but I'm not sure he's in the top 5 argument like I thought he would be at the beginning of the year. Zeke, uh, I'm, I mean, the, for me, the only thing that worries me about Zeke is just every year he's been in the league, he, he's led the league in rushing except for the year that he missed the games due to the suspension, yet he's never gotten the touchdowns, and that part has always kind of held him back. I would love to see that change for him. We'll see if that actually does. I'm a little worried uh, about the offense and what we saw this past week against the Saints. Uh, it seemed like um, everybody, especially down here, as I've been hearing all about it, everybody panicking right now. It seems like the offense reverted more to back to the old Scott Callahan offense uh, that everybody hated, and Kellen Moore wasn't doing much to make adjustments. We'll see if that changes. It is just one game, um, but that did worry me a little bit when I saw it, but I still think Zeke's got that top five ability for sure. So after those three, you've got Aaron Jones at 51.0 points. What are your thoughts on Jones finishing in the top 12? I'm going to say he does not make the top 12. Um, I had high hopes for him this year, uh, and maybe the next couple of weeks, if Williams are out, we'll, we'll see a turnaround. But he's not been efficient as a runner. TDs are kind of what's keeping him up in this range. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's been more of a split than any of us had hoped for. And at some point, Green Bay is 
going to go back to a more pass-heavy offense. And I think all those things, Kamara or, uh, Jones could still be a top 20, but uh, 12, I think, is going to be too high. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you, I mean, obviously, if you go look at his stats, I, I talked about um, last Thursday because the, the podcast equipment was not working. I posted on Twitter that I thought Aaron Jones would be a sit uh, going up against that Bears defense. Now, the touchdown saved him, but if you really go and look at his stats, he did nothing. And really, it's been the touchdowns have saved him so far this season. I'm with you. I don't think he finishes top 12. I, I think he, in all honesty, I, I'm with you. I don't know if he finishes 20, but I definitely don't see him finishing top 15. So I could see him finishing anywhere in that 15 to 20 range. Let's see. Next up, we have at 11, Marlon Mack with 50.4 points. I don't think he finishes in the top 12. I, I would make the same argument, not necessarily touchdown-wise as Aaron Jones, but I think he finishes closer to 20 than top 12. Outside of that first big game where I think he had 170 rushing yards and a couple touchdowns, he's done nothing the past three weeks. What are your thoughts on Mack? Yeah, I'm going to say outside of the top 12, but more of my questions are also about durability. We've already seen him banged up uh, the last couple of weeks coming in, and I think it's starting to take a toll on his performance. Yeah. And then the last guy, interesting, for me at least, I did not expect him to be up here. Obviously, last week's performance helped him some. He's actually been having a fairly decent year. A guy we, when was drafted 1-1 overall just a couple years ago, everybody thought that he could be that top 12 back every year in fantasy. Leonard Fournette sitting with 49.8 points. What are your thoughts on Fournette? No, not inside the top 12. I mean, when you're talking about top 12, you're talking about a guy who's going to be an RB1 for the season. Yeah. Uh, numbers are incredibly inflated from the fact that he played Denver, who apparently has no concept <laughs> of defense. Um, you know, without that 225-yard game, I can't imagine he even comes close to this list. Jacksonville has been okay, but not great. Fournette is not a prolific pass catcher. Um, I just don't. I don't think he's going to be able to hang up this high. Yeah, so the there's one running back that sits right behind him that's fairly close in points in Josh Jacobs. After that, there's a little bit of separation. You got guys like Todd Gurley, Carrion Johnson, Philip Lindsay, James Conner, Saquon, obviously with the injury, Le'Veon Bell, all kind of sitting a little bit behind them. Surprising to me, at least, Ronald Jones being up there in the top 24. I love that right there. Uh, but all not not uh, not Ronald Jones, but the rest of those guys. Obviously, once they Saquon, once he comes back, they're all going to move up into the top 12. So we're we're going to see some of those guys uh, drop off here. We'll be interesting to see which guys stay in and out uh, for both of us uh, later on in the season. Next up at wide receiver is a very interesting list for me as well. I feel like there's some interesting calls in here, but there's a couple guys we I'm pretty sure are both going to agree don't stay up there. Number one wide receiver overall right now, Keenan Allen with 63.5 points. I imagine for you, same same as me, no way he drops out of the top 12. No, yeah, I think he's definitely up there. All right, the next two is interesting because the last time we have not seen two wide receivers finish. I'm sorry, we did. We saw last year two wide receivers finish in the top 12, and that was with uh, 
Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs. Now, that's not either one of them, but it's a guy that we were just talking about earlier, their quarterback, not having a very good defense, not having a running game we thought was definitely going to stay up in the top 12, and that is Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, who are sitting as 2-3 and three right now, Godwin with 62.6, and Evans with 60.8. Do you think both, So, or I should word it this way, either, neither, or both stay in the top 12? Godwin, yes. I'm going to say Mike Evans just outside. If Ooh. Evans hadn't had that uh, incredible three-touchdown day, I don't think he would be in there right now. Yeah. Um, I think he'll have a good season. I still think he's in the, you know, if you told me 12 to 20, yeah. But top 12, I don't think the offense is going to be quite good enough to sustain two all season long. And I think Godwin has been the one that has clearly looked like he's uh, getting a mar- a larger target share. Man, I like that call because I am someone that's uh, been a noted Evans hater. I think he's a tad bit over, I shouldn't say overrated, because when you say that word, everybody thinks that I think Evans sucks. I don't think he sucks. He's an elite wide receiver. I just think he's very good at being a possession wide receiver, and that's it. Not not a whole bunch of speed, just very big, and when you throw the ball up to him, he can get it, and Jameis Winston has proved throughout his uh career so far he's not the most accurate passer either trying to get the ball to Evans that being said I'm gonna keep both in there right now I think Evans finishes right at 12 I've been saying that all season that I think he's he's at least a top 12 and gonna finish right around the 12 mark so I'm gonna keep him in there but I agree Chris Godwin is going to definitely finish higher We've talked about this many times. The the slot wide receiver in a Bruce Arians offense usually tends to be the best wide receiver on the team. And Chris Godwin has shown so far through four weeks that he can handle the workload uh, and is, has definitely got the skill to stay up there as well. So I think Godwin finishes higher. Evan still, though, for me, stays in the top 12. Next up, Cooper Cup with 57.3 points. Do you think Cup stays in the top 12? Yeah, uh, Rams are a high-volume passing offense, and he's been the most consistently targeted guy. I think he will just make it in the top 12. Yeah, see, he's an interesting one for me. I think I am going to leave him up there as well, just based on the amount of points he's already put up. Uh, you know, I, when I was looking at this list, I was also looking at the fact, okay, well, he already has so many more points than some of these other guys that have fallen out that I think could move up. And yeah, they have obviously the chance to have big games, but when you're already sitting with this many points, I feel like he's got a leg up on him. And as you pointed out, a high-powered offense definitely seems to be Jared Goff's guy. Uh, I, I said earlier this year, I thought Brandon Cooks was going to be the best wide receiver on the Rams. Uh, I think that's easily shifted over to Cooper Cup now. Uh, may not have the most biggest or bigger plays like Brandon Cooks could, uh, but just the dump-offs and everything, Goff clearly trusts him and goes to him in times of needs. I'm, I'm with you. I think Cup finishes in the top 12. Next up, Julio with 55.8. Um, I'm, there's no argument for me here. He's easily in there. Is he for you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Julio, definitely. The next one's going to be interesting because... He's definitely looked good, at least in three games against weak opponents. Got shut down by Marcus Lattimore last week. Already sitting with a lot of points through four weeks in 52.6. I have said many a times that I don't think he's a top 12 wide receiver. I think he's in that 14. I actually said I think he's like in the 13 to 15 range. I'm going to stick to my guns here, even though I'm, I'm honestly a little worried about it. I don't think he finishes top 12, and that's Amari Cooper. Where are you sitting with Amari? Yep, 100% wide receiver one. 
Oh, God, why? Why you do this to me? I was really hoping to get somebody on my side finally. It's ridiculous. All right, next. I, go ahead. I am too heavily invested in Cooper, too. Oh, gotcha. I really, really like Dallas's passing offense. Cooper is one of the reasons that I think I feel like Dak is going to be a top 10 quarterback. I think they really have something. The best thing that could have happened to them is that Zeke was gone all of training camp because it allowed them a chance to focus and to grow. And I think you saw the fruits of that in the passing offense. They were blowing people out the early part of the season without Ezekiel Elliott really having to do much. Yeah. So, um, you know, and they, because Elliott's there, because Witten came back, because they got Randall Cobb and they have Gallup, you can't totally focus and isolate somebody away. So, uh, I think he's going to have a good season. Yeah, so I'll just give my argument uh, against Cooper really quick. Uh, and again, it's something I've said before. I, again, I don't think he – I joke when I say I hate Amari Cooper. I, I do think that he has a lot of drops, and it does seem like people who are defendants of his never seem to want to admit that. He drops the ball a lot, whether it was in Oakland. He did it in Alabama. He did it in a game earlier this season with the Cowboys. He had like three drops before he ended up catching a touchdown pass. So it happens. He's not the most sure-handed catcher. My argument is not that he is not good enough. My argument is that I think Michael Gallup is. And I, and what is, in my opinion, helped him, obviously, um, Gallup being there, as you just stated, now they can't shift all the coverages to Amari Cooper. So there's going to be times when he's singled up. But when they play better teams like they did this past weekend against the Saints, my biggest thing has always been against Amari Cooper is against some of those really strong physical cornerbacks. He just gets completely shut down. Where, yeah, that does happen to a lot of players. We saw it happen to Odell against Baltimore when he went up against Humphreys. Humphreys shut him down. So he's going to have those games. But there also have been times, and maybe, again, it may not be fair to him because this happened in Oakland and Derek Carr. I would say we both think Dak is better than Derek Carr. That there were times that he played cornerbacks that aren't elites like Marshawn Lattimore is, but they were physical with him at the line, and that still kind of slowed him down, and he wasn't able to produce. So uh, that is my biggest complaint about him because I do think that Dak is not going to single him out, and that if he's struggling to get open against a physical corner, but Michael Gallup is getting open, that he's going to throw the ball to Michael Gallup. We already saw Michael Gallup before he got hurt had two really big games, and I think that if Gallup continues to come on with Cobb there in the slot as well. I think that's what's going to end up taking away some from Amari's Cooper, Amari Cooper's production, which is going to drop him. Not that he's a bad player, but I think the overall talent of the offense is going to take away from his ability to to produce. All right, the next guy up, I imagine we both. I know I don't think he makes it in there. I imagine you agree in that Sammy Watkins sitting at fifty-two point five points. Not a chance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, this is an interesting one for me. I love. To say that I think he does, but I don't think that he will. But he's already had a phenomenal season so far. DJ Chark with 50.1 points. No, I I do not. I mean, the thing about this list, when we get all the way through, there's no Michael Thomas in here. There's no DeAndre Hopkins guys I think that we all think are going to vault up. Uh, DJ Chark is having a nice season. I think he continues to have a nice season. I do not think he finishes as a wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm with you. I think... So my thing, I think he has a chance, with, with especially with the way that Minshew does seem to go to him as the one, to finish close to the 15 range, especially if he keeps scoring touchdowns, but I don't think he finishes top 12. How far do you think he possibly drops in the wide receiver ranks? Well, the thing is, I 
I don't think that they have a definitive alpha in there. When I watched, I watched the entire game obviously last week because they played Denver, right? And he seemed to be the Westbrook a lot more okay. than he was than than Shark, which was kind of surprising. But we even saw, you know, last week Marquise Lee got back in it, Keelan Cole got in it, Chris Connolly got in it. It seems like they're spreading the ball around a lot, and there are a lot of mouths to feed. I think. Shark could be closer to low end wide receiver two, or more likely a wide receiver three. By the time all is gotcha. said and done. Okay. Well, let me ask. Uh, let me ask you this, because again, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of that game. I know you, being a Broncos fan, there was a lot of talk beforehand that Chris Harris was going to cover Chark because they felt he was their number one. So was that happening? Because in my opinion, uh, we talked about this with Devontae Adams. When the Packers played the Broncos, I said you can't sit Devontae Adams, but don't expect him to have a great day because Chris Harris is a phenomenal cover corner. He is one of the best in the league. And that Vic, once, once Vic Fangio came over here, Chris Harris per- predominantly played on the outside, but they've let him even cover guys when they move into the slot. So in my opinion, if Harris was on Chark, that might be why he separated the ball around, but again, or spread the ball around. But I did not watch the game. So was Harris that from what you saw predominantly on Chark, or was he kind of moving around as well? Um, I didn't notice if he was shadowing somebody. He used to be our best slot corner, so actually right. the change with Joe has been he's stayed on the outside more. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean he's and he's shut down too. I can't remember the exact stats, but I was looking at him the other day, and the the number one wide receivers going up against the Denver defense, which would be, you know, again I think Denver's kind of got screwed. They should be two and two right now, if we're all being honest with ourselves. They should have beat the Bears and they should have beat the Jags last weekend. They should be at least two and two. But I think when you go back and look at the stats of what the number one wide receivers have done against Denver, it's not them that's doing the damage, and I think that's because Chris Harris has been on him. He he's been phenomenal for them. Next up, we've got a guy that, I mean, there's no way that he finishes there now. I don't think he would have anyways, but now he's been placed on IR, and that's John Ross with 48.8 points. Uh, I I don't even think he finishes as a wide receiver three now. He's going to be out for quite a while, but your thoughts on Ross? Yeah, I agree completely, and part of it is opportunity, I think, was because AJ Green was gone, and it seemed like he'll be back in the next couple weeks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he would have been a long shot to even be in wide receiver two range if he was healthy all season. But now he's going to miss at least eight weeks. So this next guy is interesting for me because I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think he does. I've, I've been saying that I thought he was going to step up last year, had a big year last year. And I think he's really kind of pushed himself into being the alpha for Detroit. And that's Kenny Galladay. He's sitting at 10 right now with 48.3 points. Do you think he has the ability to stay here? Uh, yeah, I think he will. Um, that's part of the reason that I am confident in Stafford. Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. I wasn't sure which way you'd go with him. Uh, now, these next two I'm interested in, I don't think either one of them stays there, but I'm, I, and I don't know if you do, so we'll get your opinion on them, and I want to see how far you think they drop, because the next guy in Tyrell Williams, who is 45.6, I think still finishes more of a middle-tier wide receiver, too, but Tyler Lockett, 44.8. I do think that he is the number one in Seattle and Russell Wilson, and we talked about earlier they've been a much higher passing offense than we all expected. I don't think he finishes top 12, but I actually think he finishes closer to 12 than 20. So what are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, Tyrell Williams, I agree. I don't think he finishes top 12, but I think he'll end up being a solid wide receiver too. I feel like I underestimated him a little bit and what he'd be able to do uh, in the spotlight. 
but a lot of what is booing him is he's got a touchdown in each of the four games. Right. That's going to be hard to replicate. My concern with him, if you were trying to make a case for wide receiver one, is his receptions and yardage haven't been super impressive. It's the consistently getting a touchdown that's putting him in there. And that, you know, I can't see him finishing with 17 touchdowns. If he did, he's wide receiver one easily. But oh, yeah. uh, Tyler, I would go the other way. I think he actually could finish as wide receiver 12. Oh, okay. Nice. I like that. Okay. All right, so as you mentioned, there's a couple of guys that we'll, we'll, I'll just read off a list right here. I, I do find it very interesting that Emmanuel Sanders and Terry McLaurin are right there behind Lockett. I mean, they're close. So I don't think I don't think McLaurin does. I, I would not be surprised if Sanders finishes right. You know, I'll ask you, being, the, being a, a Broncos fan, I've been extremely surprised with what we've seen out of Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton, both uh, Cortland Sutton at 17, Sanders at 13. I think Cortland Sutton at the end of the day has a better season than Sanders, but could you see both of these finishing in the top 20? Because I could, I, and I don't I don't think this is a too bold of a statement to make. I could honestly see both finishing in the top 15. What are your thoughts on those two? Um, I like them both. I think both will be in wide receiver two range. Top 20 is possible but feels like a stretch you have to remember our quarterback is joe flacco um you know when was the last time flacco had a top 20 receiver let alone two um top having both in the top 15 uh the way this team is tracking feels uh next to impossible okay Well, some of the guys, you already mentioned a couple of them, and DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas, obviously neither one of them is in there. You also have Devontae Adams is outside of that. Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods. So a bunch of guys, Juju Smith-Schuster, a bunch of guys who are outside of it right now who could end up jumping up there. So that will also be extremely interesting to watch how it plays out. We'll run through the tight ends really quick here, though I think it's going to be, I mean, it's hard for me to to figure out the tight end position, as I'm sure it is a lot of people. Just going down the list, I feel like the only one who's not in there that we all expected is, is George Kittle, and then I obviously was high on Jared Cook. I know a lot of people weren't. He's nowhere near the top 12. Evan Ingram sits at one with 45.1 points. Uh, I mean, I think he's him. I'm just going to give you the top three. Actually, four, because I know you're a big Hooper fan as well. So we'll just run through the top four. As far as I'm concerned, I'd say they all stay in the top 12. Oh, okay. All right, well, then I'll just run through the list really quick. There's one guy that I don't think does, so I'll get your opinion on him. Actually, two. So we'll we'll talk about those two. So right now, Ingram sits at one with 45.1. Andrews at two with 44.6. Kelsey at three with 42.9. Hooper at four with 42.7. At five, Will Disley with 42.1. At six, Olsen with 34.6. Seven, Waller with 32.7. Eight, Hawkinson with 28.6. Nine, Delaney Walker with 28.2. 10, Zach Ertz with 27.5, Jordan Akins at 25.6, and Ebron at 12 with 24.8. For me, Hawkinson and Akins don't. I don't think either one of them do. Akins, I think it, it, we've been talking about some of the other players buoyed by touchdowns. His like 60-yard touchdown run uh, two weeks ago I think has really kind of buoyed him. And then Hawkinson, the great week one game and then had a touchdown last week has helped him. I personally don't think either one of those two do. Uh, are, do you you have both of those, though, you think finish in the top 12? Or, uh, again, tight end, as we've talked about many times, kind of a crapshoot, so you, it's hard to tell who's going to and not going to. Um, there are three on this list that I would say I don't feel will finish top 12. Hawkinson would be one. Akins would be two. Ebron would oh, be the okay. other one. 
Uh, I mean, Eric Ebron, I loved him last year. I would love to believe in him because I have several shares. The dude's in here because he has games like last week where he caught one for 48 and a touchdown. I mean, that gave him 11.8 points out of his 24.8, just one single play. That is not the kind of production and consistency of targets uh, where you can feel comfortable staying in here. I like his talent, but the way this offense is going with Brissett has not been tight end focal the way it was with Luck. With Luck, Doyle, Ebron, he was peppering those guys with targets. You could feel good about both of them. I had a lot of shares of them, as I have a lot of shares of Luck, because I believed in that that system and that consistency. I just mm. I don't think you can rely on that now. I mean, could he finish in the top 12? He's got the talent. Any he and Hawkinson both have the talent that they right. could end up. I just don't feel like that's going to happen. Aikens feels like a little bit of a fluke that he's yeah. even right here. I'm not even sure I'm totally bought into him. Um, you have guys like Jimmy Graham's not in this list, but we've seen potential explosions from him. Um, I know I'm forgetting a couple oh, yeah, of people. Yeah, all, so so the guys sitting right outside, you've got Witten. Uh, Dawson Knox, Jimmy Graham, Vance McDonald, Jack Doyle, George Kittle, Ricky Seals-Jones, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, Noah Fant. So, I mean, you've got O.J. Howard, Cameron Braid, obviously in Joku with the injury, Jared Cook. So, I mean, you have guys that could go up there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really think about Ebron. I could see him falling out as well. Obviously had the great year last year because of the touchdowns. Jack Doyle being back, we've already seen him getting a, a lot of targets and not sitting many points. He's only sitting six points behind Ebron right now, too. So uh, I, I could see Ebron falling out as well. Uh, so that that's the top 12s at all the positions right now, as you heard. Really, quarterback was the only one that was mostly stays uh, and, and tight end. We had three on tight end, I think four on quarterback. Wide receivers and running backs, it was almost a half-half split. So I think that being said is just remember if you've got studs don't panic just yet we are four weeks in eventually I think everything will kind of revert back to the means and those guys will be fine and I say that because I'm gonna get your opinion really quick so I'm in a 16 team IDP dynasty league very IDP heavy you start a one quarterback two running backs three wide receivers a tight end no flex and then you start two defensive linemen three linebackers and and three defensive backs as well so I made a flurry of trades over the past couple days uh interested to hear what you think I don't know how much IDP you play so I don't know that part of it how much you'll 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 be uh, willing to talk about but I made a, a a trade to get Saquon Barkley the Barkley owner was panicking which might end up working out even more in my favor now as it seems like he's going to be back sooner rather than later I traded Juju Smith-Schuster and Chris Carson to get Saquon Barkley my other wide receivers are Odell Chark, Campbell, Brown, Josh Gordon, Sterling Shepard. Uh, so I felt like I could move Juju, uh, having Odell and Gordon and Sterling Shepard there to still kind of be my top three. Uh, even though it obviously helps having Juju and Odell as your one and two, I still liked my talent there. So I moved them, get bring in a guy like uh, Saquon Barkley. And then I did a, a kind of double trade with two other teams. I had Matt Ryan, and there was a team that needed a quarterback. I traded away Matt Ryan and a second-round pick to get Shaq Thompson, who is currently top a top-five linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, um, and a first-round pick 
for that trade, which then also turned me into getting Jacoby Brissett and a second-round pick. And this one hurt me a little bit. I did not want to do it, but I needed another quarterback, and that's why I wanted to go and get Jacoby Brissett. I ended up having to trade away Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman because I owned a both of them for the Denver Broncos backfield, which has weakened my running backs a little bit. I have Barkley, Hines, Sanders, Singletary, but I wanted to do it more so because now that also gives me six picks in the top two rounds in the draft this year. So what are your thoughts on those moves uh, for a team that I don't think I'm going to compete this year? So trying to build my team around a young core in Barkley, Odell and uh, Sterling Shepard and Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, and then really kind of use my draft picks to kind of bolster the rest of my team. I mean, I thought your Barkley trade is pretty good. I'm still trying to follow what all you gave up in the round robin on the so on the back. Sounds like you traded Matt Ryan, yeah. Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman to get Jacoby Brissett, Shaq Thompson, and a second. Uh, no, okay. So I gave up altogether. I gave up Matt Ryan, a second round pick, uh, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman, and I got back Jacoby Brissett, Shaq Thompson, a first and a second. Okay, I thought you met, you met you traded a first to get Brissett. No, 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 no. I, I, I trade. I got the picks back. Yeah, I cannot endorse that. Yeah, yeah. It's tough losing the running backs. I I really like Lindsey and Freeman, yeah. but I feel like the situation they're in is going to limit the potential of both, mm-hmm. and that they're they're both second year players. So it's not like you see it coming to an end. I, I almost am worried that that situation is going to turn out a little bit like what we're seeing in green Bay with yeah. Jones and Williams came in in the same year. And even though there's, you know, people have their personal feelings about liking one better than the other, it just doesn't seem like the team is on that same page. So, you know, on, on paper, we still think about what, Lindsay was last year and where he was a top 10 running back when he went out. It doesn't look to me like that's going to be the case. Denver's offense doesn't look to be that great. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough too when you lose young players, but that Saquon Barkley deal I thought is pretty great value. Um, you know, Juju Smith Schuster, I like him, but this year could be, showing us a little bit of what's going to happen. It's hard to know. Chris Carson, I feel like he's a guy I should like more than I do. Right. Um, but Barkley is one of those players that could he could put up more points than both those guys combined in several weeks because he does. He is a top-line receiver for his team, and he is a top-line running back. And with Daniel Jones, their offense actually seems to be getting a little bit better. Yeah. Um, if you're playing an IDP-heavy league, sometimes you got to – uh, my, where I play in a couple of IDP leagues, and I think where I end up struggling a little bit is I don't take seriously enough the defensive players and right. the scoring, how that can swing close matchups, uh, and it ends up biting me. Sometimes you just got to go out and get that. But if you're rebuilding, collecting draft picks is pretty good too. I think getting a first-round pick uh, in this draft that's coming up in exchange for a couple of running backs where you're going to struggle with whether you play them each week or not, you could end up getting a guy that you feel more confident in. And if Sanders ends up taking the share that you're hoping for and Singletary ends up taking the share you're hoping for, you're still in great shape. Yeah, see, that was what um, 
I, I felt like I had to kind of move all into the rebuild because this is probably going to sound bad when, when I talk about the team I had at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I had Andrew Luck as my quarterback, and, and just due to all of my obligations here, I actually forgot to put in the fab bid to get Jacoby Brissett. So had I done that, I would have been set at quarterback, and I didn't have to worry about it. But right now I'm rocking with I was rocking with Matt Ryan and Gardner Minshew, so I knew I needed to get another quarterback. If I had kept the team that I originally had this offseason, I feel like I'd be in a really good spot. And my wide receivers, my num- one, two, three were Odell, Juju, and then Chris Godwin. But I wasn't sure that Chris Godwin was going to do what he's doing now, so I traded him away. And, and I ended up getting back DJ Chark, John Brown, in a first. So I felt like that was by far a great move for me at the time. Obviously, looking at it now, it's a little bit like, yeah, I wish I would have kept uh, Godwin because he's a wide receiver one. And having him, Juju, and Godwin, I mean, that immediately, in my opinion, gives me the win at wide receiver every single week because nobody else is going to put out that lineup. Now, granted, Juju and Odell have struggled but I also moved Austin Eckler because I didn't think he'd be as good as he was. I moved him at the beginning of the season for Sterling Shepard because I really liked Shepard, and that was after the Godwin trade. I was like, well, shoot, I'm loaded at running back. I hadn't made the Barkley trade yet. I was like, let me get rid of Eckler, bring in Sterling Shepard because I feel like that'll still bolster my wide receiver core. And so then after that, Barkley owner was kind of panicking, and I was like, well, what would it take? And when he said Juju and Carson, I'm, I see, I, was, I agreed with you. I was like, no, nah, there's no way I'm passing this up because I like Chris Carson, but he, I still think Barkley could outscore Carson and Juju put together most weeks. So I was like, I got to go out there and get the number one running back because that's really going to give me, give me, uh, really almost a win at running back every single week because it doesn't matter now who I plug in, whether it's Devin Singletary or Miles Sanders. Once Barkley comes back and he's healthy, I'm automatically in a way getting that win because I have the number one running back. So that was kind of my thoughts on on that trade. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you about before, uh, before we get out of here, I just got my tickets uh, going tomorrow to see The Joker. I, I know you're a big movie guy, so what are your thoughts on, on The Joker movie? Are you going to go see it? Uh, yeah, I am going to go see it. Uh, kind of curious, uh, kind of excited. Uh, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, I was writing about it because it it's a big piece of Fantasy Movie League, and we do the, the column today. I always look at Rotten Tomatoes score and projections and stuff. Uh, I had heard a lot of things about how it had been received at festivals, uh, and people were pretty excited about it and about Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Uh-huh. Interestingly enough, on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it's sitting at 72% on its critical score, okay. which uh, is a lot lower than I was expecting. And I read some of the reviews from top critics, and it feels like it's a little bit of a polarizing movie where you either love it or hate it. Gotcha. Um, you know, one critic for, uh, I can't remember which site, said uh, the biggest disappointment in film has finally arrived. Wow. For the year. And I was like, damn, you know. I I see all the new releases, so I am going to see it. I was leery of the concept. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, sometimes these standalone movies uh, where you're just focusing on the villain character from... A larger comic book universe don't entirely work, and it feels like they've reworked the universe uh, in a way. You know, Batman's never mentioned a reference in the trailer. As far as I can tell, he's not in the movie. Right. Um, it's almost like they're creating a world where there is no Batman, but there's still these obscure supervillain mm-hmm. characters. It was a little bit weird. 
Uh, I just I don't know what to make of it either. And Todd Phillips wouldn't be the guy I would have necessarily thought of to direct that kind of a movie. Uh, he's the guy that directed The Hangover, uh, Due Date, Old School. Um, so been traditionally more of a kind of big time comedy director. Right. Um, and I know that that was some of critics' uh, criticism. So I'm curious. There's so much potential. It just feels like it's one of this movie could be like one of those players in fantasy where the guy's either going to be a top ten player or a wide receiver four. <laughs> yeah, so that's what. Um, um, it, wh- when are you going to go see it? I well, I'm definitely either uh, tomorrow or Saturday. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'll uh, I'll shoot you a text. I'm going to go see it tomorrow night at six o'clock. So my biggest thing is. I'm obviously we we've talked about this many a times. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big superhero guy and superhero movie guy as well. Um, Dark Knight to me is is not just one of the best superhero movies, but one of the most best movies I've ever seen in my life. And, and Heath Ledger's performance in The Joker, uh, I, you know, I joke and say changed my life. But I, I I've always liked Batman, and The Joker has always been a villain that fascinates me. And and that I mean, I went down a full rabbit hole with with Heath Ledger's performance. That it was amazing. Obviously, everybody, I think everybody agrees. I do have a friend who thinks Jared Leto was the best Joker. I do tend to pretend he is not my friend when he makes those takes. Um, but that is what I'm interested he, about because – go ahead. Movie, he shouldn't be giving you movie advice. Oh, I, I think you and He's I are horrible. He's horrible same, movie advice. The Dark Knight is probably top three among my favorite films uh, also. We may, what we may need to do is uh, when we're together on Monday is compare notes. Yeah, absolutely. We can talk about no. We'll do spoiler free for sure because I hate when people because that same friend that thinks Jared Leto is the best Joker of all time is also that guy who who sits there and is like, oh, you should watch this movie, and then gives away like a major plot point. And you're like, okay, well now I don't need to watch the movie, buddy. Thank you. So, yeah, he, he's a he's a special guy though. He, he I love that guy. So, anyways. But that's my biggest fear is I feel like I'm hyping this movie up so much because I love the character Joker so much. And, and, and Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor. So I, I, I feel like I'm going in having really high hopes for this and I'm worried that I'm going to be let down. But I am super excited about it. So uh, we will definitely talk about it on, on Monday. And I look forward to talking to you again on Monday. Have yourself a good weekend. I hope the, the fantasy gods bless you with a bunch of wins this weekend and, and have a good weekend. Thank you very much. You too. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of line. Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play?